typically think of the Seahawks as steady, not spectacular, but is there reason to believe this is a fantasy powerhouse in the making? Hello everyone and welcome into another week here on Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined today by Derek Van Riper, DVR. Happy Monday, what's going on, man? Hey, happy to start a new week. Really enjoying this series as we get to know our beat writers and dig in team by team. Uh, how are things going for you? Things are going good. This is a, a fun team to talk about, a fun division to talk about. I believe I mentioned that in our very first episode. Uh, we were talking Arizona Cardinals. We move on to another NFC West team on this Monday. It is the Seattle Seahawks. To talk Seahawks, we bring on our Seahawks beat writer, Michael Sean Dugar. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, yeah, uh, again, this is our 11th show so far. 10 teams down, 22 to go. You are team number 11. And really, you can't start with the Seahawks and not start with Russell Wilson, the most efficient quarterback of his era, just blindingly efficient. But from a fantasy perspective, we are constantly uh, at loggerheads with Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer with the way that they use Russell Wilson or don't use him as much as we would like to see held back from a volume standpoint because of the way this offense runs and to their credit runs very successfully. Just once in Russell Wilson's career has he been in the top 10 in pass attempts in the league there's no reason for us to think that that changes in any material way this year, is there? Um, probably not. Well, it depends, right? Because if the defense sucks, uh, then he's forced to throw a lot more in the second half. And let's say maybe, I don't know if pass attempts is the best way. Maybe dropbacks would mm-hmm. be the better way to like quantify it because that would include all the times he has to eventually scramble um, or, get, or get sacked, uh, right? So he, he very well could creep. Actually, I don't even know what he is in those metrics. He, maybe he is top 10 if you had dropbacks, but... Uh, if the defense is bad, which it very well could be, uh, then we're looking at a situation where, uh, yeah, no, he's he's having to huck it a bunch. I think he's had to historically do so in the fourth quarter or the very least in second half of games just because they establish the run for a half. It doesn't work, and they're like, ah, damn. Well, I guess we should use our MV- MVP caliber quarterback now. It's a nice cheat code to have. I mean, the guy that Yeah, no, it's and- great. Great luxury. Moves out of the pocket, has as much arm strength and accuracy as really any quarterback uh, in the league uh, when he's on the run, especially. Just an amazing player. And you know, the thing that they really have done is they've found a way to turn Chris Carson into a really quality NFL running back. Back to back thousand yard seasons. Uh, leaves fantasy owners a little disappointed because of the touchdown count. But, you know, you look at this team and they added Carlos Hyde for depth. Is there anyone there with Rashad Penny coming back from a knee injury who can really push Carson at least early in the season for a significant share of touches? Or is this really his backfield at least to begin the season? Yeah, no, it, it's his. And as much as teams were like want to do the like running back by committee thing, I think the Niners kind of ran with that last year. It's just much better when one guy is going. It, it just is. Now, you may not, you genuinely may not care who that guy is, but it is better to have one guy going. That's, that's just kind of how it goes. And I think the Niners were a good example of that as well last year. You look at some games, some of their better games uh, running the ball was when, like, one dude went off, whether it was Tevin Coleman or Brita or uh, Mostert had, what, like, 11 touchdowns in the NFC title game. Like, <laughs> those, those type of moments is when you're really, really rolling, when it is just one guy who's just got the hot hand. Um, now, you can maybe argue that, oh, we want to w- take some time to determine who has the hot hand, but this ain't basketball, right? Like, you don't get that many shots uh, in a game. 
So you don't have like how many carries are you going to be willing to give? We get each guy five carries to get the hot hand. Like five carries may not be enough. Uh, so I think for the Seahawks, they know, or at least Pete Carroll knows. Look, man, Chris is our guy. He's the most talented running back on the roster from a, just a talent perspective. He's probably what like a top top seven guy. I would say maybe uh, he doesn't he doesn't put up like some gaudy stats consistently. You mentioned top back to back thousand yard years, but. You know, he doesn't put up, like, McCaffrey ridiculous stuff or Derrick Henry or even, like, Nick Chubb. Those guys put up, like, some disgusting numbers uh, every once in a while. But, like, he's – Chris is really good. It's not just that, you know, the, the other guys on the roster, they, they just don't have the same gear as him. You can watch Chris Carson. He, he'll find any possible way to go um, – to evade a defender. He jumped over people. He flipped over Eric Reed, which might be one of the most athletic feats I've ever seen live. Uh, he just ran. He runs through linebackers. He runs through safeties. Um, he'll jump cut uh, around people. He'll break away from cats. He had like a sixty yarder against the Bucks um, last season. He fumbled at the end of it, but uh, he got away from them first. So I think the problem is not even that they could like legitimately want to do a running back by committee thing. It's like, yo, Chris is really, really, really good, and you know, there's there's no one really who can unseat him in that way it won't be Carlos and it won't be Rashad Penny now, fantasy owners definitely love to hear that got to believe that Hyde and Penny will be used in some form or fashion for this team so going to put you on the spot here for a second last year Carson had 278 carries 47 targets love those sorts of numbers volume is king no matter who you are at the running back position uh, right now three months away from week one would you bet on him going over 278 and 47 or under Ooh, okay. So that's two seventy eight in what fifteen games? Uh, maybe how many games did he play? That's that's important. I think that's fifteen games yeah, he before he 15. breaks his hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and he broke his hip in the first half of that uh week sixteen game. Right. So yeah, you're looking at like maybe fourteen and a half games. So I would, I'd probably go over if he could on the carries. I'm not sure. What was that forty seven? You 47 said forty seven targets last year. That I'm not, mm, I'm not as confident uh, in that one. I think those will have better third down options uh, with guys. We we'll probably won't see him as um, as much in that role. Also, I think if their tight ends stay healthy, they're going to eat up a lot more targets um, than maybe the backs do. Like Greg, having Greg Olson and Will Disley, if they had both of those guys for a full season, that's where I want to talk about target share. Like those guys, they have hands. They have soft hands. They're bigger targets. Targets to them are far more efficient than running back targets. Uh, I think I would go, I would probably go under on that. They'll run him into the ground, though, as best they can. But in terms of throwing him the ball, they may have to skim a little bit. So it might be similar to past seasons where there's a little more value in a non-PPR setting for Chris Carson if he's not going to be more involved uh, as a pass catcher. I'm glad you brought up the tight ends because Will Disley was emerging as a breakout tight end last year before that torn Achilles ended his season after week six. Is he on track to play week one at this point, just about three months away from the opener? Yeah, let's see. He tore his Achilles in week six against the Browns, and that was in October. So that would be, let's see, week one would be, what, like 11 months? I I haven't talked to his people in a minute. Um, I would imagine he should be fine. The problem is just, like, keeping him fine. You know, he's he's been in the league two years and has two season-ending injuries uh, before the bye week, I think, in each scenario, which is crazy bad luck um but he is if i think he'll be ready week one answer your question and if so he's probably 
I would say his ceiling. I'd say maybe he won't perform this way because we don't know how to respond from back-to-back season and the injuries on separate uh, legs, I believe. So I think his ceiling is probably like a top five tight end, I would I would say, just from a talent perspective. What you got, you got Ertz, Kelsey, and, and Kittle are probably the best three. I could be missing someone yeah, there. Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, guys like that mixed in. Yeah, see, I think I think this is right there though. I think yeah, okay, that's good. That's like the next tier. I would say that after those those first three, Kittle, uh, Ertz, and Kelsey, you get, you got like Austin Austin Hooper, um, Waller, yeah, and I think Disley's right there. I think he's got that same type of Pro Bowl potential. Just got to stay healthy. That's really all it is. And you, as we get closer to like camp and stuff, I bet you you'll hear Pete Carroll and Russell talk a lot more about that. Because they know, man, the kid what dropped like two passes in college. His first game, he had like two touchdowns, uh, I think, as a rookie in twenty eighteen against the Broncos on the road. Like the the kid can ball. Um, so yeah, he's a healthy Will Disley, man. That's a I don't know where you would pick him in a draft for fantasy, but dude, he can he's going to put up some numbers. I'm pretty sure. So then I would have to assume also that a healthy Will Disley is not necessarily threatened too much from a target share perspective by. Greg Olson, Jacob Hollister, it's a crowded tight end group in Seattle. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think that, I mean, Russ tries to spread it around as best as best he can, which is why Tyler Lockett won't ever make a Pro Bowl probably, <laughs> um, which he's definitely a Pro Bowl talent. Like, that. let's make that very clear. But, no, I think they'll have, like, a clear... If you look at Seattle's tight end numbers over the years uh, as well, when they've had, like, a number one guy, the number two dude is a pretty significant drop. Like, when it was Jimmy Graham... Uh, the the drop between him and like a Nick Vanette or a Luke Wilson was very you know steep, uh, so I think it'll be it'll be pretty similar. Even like last year, like Jacob Hollister to their number two, who, good God, I can't even think of who it was uh, at this point. The the drop is pretty significant. So yeah, I think if Will's the guy and he's healthy, play sixteen games, which I know will be a goal of his. Honestly, the goal of his might be just get past week six. Uh, but if he if he does that, he'll he'll be the clear number one. I don't think it'll be like a a shared. Uh, thing there from like a, a tight end like value standpoint we saw Tyler Lockett uh, on the receiving end of 110 targets last season easily a career high for him he turned that into 82 catches got over a thousand yards for the first time uh, pulled in eight touchdown passes as well uh, do you believe what we saw last year is the new baseline as it pertains to Lockett or do you think there's even one more level there I mean if if you were to even get up to like 120 or 130 targets somehow. Could we see a 1,200 or 1,300 yard season? I don't think so. It's not just. It's not on Tyler' standpoint of talent. I want to make that very clear. I think as a as a talent, Tyler is. Ooh, oh man, I'm giving everybody a top ranking here. I would say, <laughs> I would say Tyler's probably at like top ten mm, ish, maybe 11 or 12. Just from a talent set, look at his efficiency numbers. Yeah. You guys are probably aware. Yes. Like Tyler's probably the, the second most efficient receiver that we probably like seen in the modern era. Like Michael Thomas is like ridiculous. Um, I don't know how he catches that many passes with that high volume, but Tyler catches everything. You know how hard it is to have a perfect passer rating when when targeted that he did in 2018. And Tyler's not just some dink and dunk. You know, like I'm a, a Wes Welker it to you like three yards in the line of scrimmage. No, he catches contested balls down field and it's and he's a little guy uh too but i think because you have a run first offense it's hard for me to expect him to get over what he said 110 i just can't i'm surprised he got that last year 
uh, to be honest. And I think with a healthy Will Disley, and you're talking about DK Metcalf in year two, that dude, he should be getting 110 as well. Like they honestly, if any, if there's additional targets to go around, it should be the DK. That dude's a monster. So I think because of the way the offense is kind of structured uh, philosophically. Um, and the other talent there, I don't think they would like force feed Tyler. It uh, like you'd see like with someone like uh, who Michael Thomas, D Hop, A B, where you know the the quarterbacks like, dude, I'm gonna throw to this dude eleven times a game. I think Tyler's max in a game is eleven targets. I think I think that's only happened like once or twice. Well, let's talk about DK Metcalf. You said it. This is definitely not a little guy. Definitely someone who is going to get, I think, more targets last year. He did hit the century mark. Exactly. He pulled in 58 of those for 900 yards, seven touchdowns. Look, we know right from the jump they're going to get him more involved this season. They have to. It would be a crime against football if DK Metcalf were not more involved in this offense this year. The question is, how much more involved will he be in the 2020 season? Man, that's a good question. Do do you guys have his? Uh, maybe I should have been the one to have this up. How many targets did he have last year? You guys know hundred on the head? dot. Hundred targets, and he played all sixteen. Played them all. I don't yeah. think he had a. Tar- I don't think he had a target in week seventeen though. Um, or no, he didn't have one in week sixteen. Maybe because Patrick Peterson locked him down. Um, so or maybe he just didn't have a catch. Yep, you're right. One so that's one target, up. zero catches in week sixteen. In, in week six, that was actually Patrick Peterson. That was. I know that wasn't the question, but that was quietly one of the best performances I saw from a corner uh, last season because DK was hot at the moment, and they just shut. They were like, Patrick, here, man coverage, go lock that rookie down, and he did. So 100 on the nose, 900 yards. Mm, man, I wish that number would be higher. Because here's the thing. They, they got DK involved. I think literally the first pass Russell threw last year in week one was to DK against the Bengals. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then, like, even week two, I think the first pass – that he threw against the Steelers was to DK. Like, he gets, you know, DK Metcalf involved. Um, but I just, man, it's so difficult with their establish the run thing. Like, the, Steel, uh, the Seahawks should be, like, taking a page out of, like, the Steelers book when they had, like, AB and Juju and say, hey, look, we need to cater to what we have. We've got these two ridiculous, like, threats. Or even the 2016 Falcons, uh, I want to say they were kind of similar. I mean, even take it back to those Rams teams that had like what Tory Holt and uh, what's my man's name on the other side? Uh, Isaac, Isaac Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, man. Like when you've got that, let it fly. That's why the offensive coordinator of the Vikings got fired. Man, he had Kirk Cousins and uh, is a couple years ago. I had Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and Stephen Diggs, and you guys were pounding the rock. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> uh, and I feel the same way about you know the Seahawks. Kind of like man, if you go out there and line up, there were games last year where Russell Wilson was calling snaps. Calling plays and on the field to his left and right were Josh Gordon, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. It's like, how dare you run the ball? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just not. That's just not how they should get down. Uh, so I would, if you ask me, over unders on those, I'd probably take the, I'd probably take the under on the targets. Uh, unfortunately, but man, I wish it would go up. <laughs> we all wish it would go up. We would love to see this passing offense and Russell Wilson fully unleashed. It would be great to see Russell Wilson with one. 600 attempt season, 700 dropback season, whatever we want to call it. It would be great to see that. Even though we're not likely to see it, it is still going to be a very fun team and a very lucrative team in the fantasy world. That's the Seahawks and Michael Sean Dugar. Mike, thanks again for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Dugar, D-U-G-A-R. And also be sure to check out Seahawks Man to Man with Mike and Chris Kidd right here 
at The Athletic and anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, Riper, excuse me, and Michael Sean Dugar, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Thank you.